Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real Wolf of Wall Street, and you're listening to the Anthony Rogers Show. And we have um, Sandra McDonald, uh, running that ran for your Missouri State Governor. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? Uh, not too well, you know. Not too well. I'm just joking. Uh, but hi, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, tell us a little bit about like your whole. Oh, you really need to talk about that first. What's going on? Yeah, I, got, I got a lot of problems. I'm glad, I'm glad you'd want to do this interview. It's like to help me out for my life. You're not my psychiatrist, so. Well, you know, that's all. The whole campaign is, is basically, you know, the problems all around the state of Missouri. So I'm really, actually, that's what I'm used to listening to because we have so many problems in the state of Missouri. So I, I, I think one of the main reasons I ran for governor is to help fix those problems. That's a real answer. Ah, that got super yeah. real off my sarcasm. Like, uh, but no, that's uh. I, I definitely I voted for you as well. I I voted Republican. I got the Republican. T- I had the Republican ticket in St. Louis, and I voted for you as well. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Parsons just seemed kind of unqualified. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it much more, but I, I seem kind of, I don't know. You seem I you had the right kind of vibe, I think, from Missouri. Like, uh, what what uh, what's your plan for now? Like, what do you what do you uh, like? Where are you at now? What's your future look like? You think? Well, you know, it's hard because. Everyone that I talked to, and of course I was out talking to everyone, I went all around the state, crisscrossed back and forth everywhere I could possibly go, even when things were closed down, you know, during COVID and the shutdown, I still just set up my own fundraisers and meet and greet so I could still meet with people and talk to them, and everywhere I went, I had the same response that you just gave me about Parson, is that, you know, he hasn't been doing a good job, he isn't qualified for this position, he's not able to bring our state out of this. Uh, whatever you want to call it, so many different words for what's happened this year. But our economy is hurting very badly, and he's basically blowing, you know, blowing smoke, saying everything's fine when everyone in Missouri knows that it's not fine. And so I've heard the same things all around the state that you know they're not voting for him. They were really glad that someone else was running, and and that they were going to be voting for me. And so everyone that I'm talking to right now, and even you know now two weeks on later after the primary. People are still saying, how did he win? No one I know voted for him. Uh, you know, I I, I, I said all the same thing when I was running, that no one was voting for him. So it makes no sense to people in Missouri uh, how that even happened on August 4th. And so that's where people are really at right now is, you know, what happened? What happened in that election? Was there election fraud? How do we prove that? What do we do? And I have no idea, in all honesty, because I think, you know, mail-in votes are definitely an issue, and that's something that he signed in, and any Republican governor that signs mail-in votes is very concerning to me as well. That's obviously something the Democrats are pushing. So I don't know, really, at this point what we're doing, because um, people are still hurting. People are still calling me every day, telling me about their issues and how they wish I would have won so I could have fixed those issues. You know, I, I look forward to, you know, what else I can do in the future. And it's just so far down the road, you know, running for any statewide office, again, it's not until 2024. That's four years away. And people can't wait that long. So I'm really not sure what to do right now. That's a really, that's a super real answer. Like, I, I like that a lot. No, I, I definitely, what, what are some of the problems people in Missouri are saying they have so far, like, that you've uh, personally dealt with and stuff? Well, it's so much. I mean, the education system all around the state is just failing People are pulling their kids out of out of public school systems and homeschooling or going to private school. I'm actually thinking about homeschooling my kids going forward because our uh, education system here is, is the same way. And uh, and so that's one of the main problems, you know, I heard from parents and um, pretty much everyone across the state. And 
Department. Um, the Department of Corrections, people that work at the Department of Corrections have huge problems there. I mean, they're working 60-hour work weeks with basically no time off. There's riots, there's assaults happening all the time now. Uh, it's a very dangerous place to work. And that's the same thing with, like, the juvenile corrections facilities, the teachers and people that work there are, uh, are just in very stressful situations right now and have been coming out of the woodwork to talk to me about that. Um, there's, I mean, there's problems in uh, there's problems in so many areas. There's, you know, there's uh, obviously small businesses are having trouble staying open, um, especially with the way things are running. You know, it they, it seems like they want to push out the small business owners, they want the large businesses to to prosper, and and that's where you know the money ends up going, and and the the, the restrictions and rules and things they put into into place push out the small business owners, the cattle farmers. I mean, we're here in Missouri, and our farmland is, you know, one of the biggest things we have here in Missouri, but but they're pushing out the small business cattle farmers. So that's another big industry area that I've talked to a lot of the cattle farmers about this because there's obviously there's fixes for it. It's just that the people in authority aren't doing what they need to do to keep our small business cattle farmers in, in business. And these are these are farms that have been in these families for generations and generations. And what I was told by several of them up in, like, Trenton area, up in the Northland, uh, they said, you know, well, this is the same thing that they did to hog farming, uh, like, 20 years ago. They were using the same blueprint, basically, to push out small business cattle farmers that they did to hog farmers back 20 years ago because they want just the big businesses to excel because they're getting they're getting the money somehow and they're able to... It's all around corruption, in all honesty. I mean, there's so much corruption here in the state of Missouri that people really don't understand that we have our own huge swamp here, just like Trump talked about in D.C. We all know there's a swamp in D.C., and he said in, like, his Tulsa rally, the first thing he said was, well, you know, I knew there was a swamp, but I didn't know how deep and how wide it actually was until I got into office. And that's pretty much why I've been telling people the same thing here in Missouri is I know there's a swamp here. But until you get into office, I don't know how you can even fathom how deep and how wide it actually is because it goes off in so many directions and affects so many different people and so many lives. Uh, it's hard to even tell until you actually get in there and experience it. And so I, I have experienced some of it because I work for state government, um, but it's just getting worse and worse. So, you know, people are hurting. People are hurting in St. Louis, you know, from the riots and everything that's happened this year, too. And it, those are, that's going to get worse. I mean, it, it, people are scared, and I think that's because the left instills the fear into people. The media instills the fear into America right now that they want to destroy America, and so people are scared, and that's why you're seeing people come out of the woodwork talking about all the problems that they're having. That's super real. I, th- I think as I hear you talk, I like you more for politics. Like, like you're straight to the point. Like, you don't seem like you bullshit, like, for the lack of a better term. Like, I, I like, you're, like, you're, like you're on point. I'm pretty blunt point quickly. <laughs> No, you're on point. Like, I think that's exact. I mean, I would say the same thing. Like, that was a really th- like, thorough explanation. I definitely say the same thing. Like, I, I agree with like, what you're saying. Like, you're having, like, I mean, it was like, it's like, what did you, uh, what got you into this originally? Was it the problems that, that you saw everybody having? Is that what, I, or were you in politics? I'm not, I'm not familiar with your record as far as like, before. Were you in politics prior, or was this like, uh, you just kind of got fed yeah. up with everything? Well, I'm a state auditor. So, before, uh, before I ran for auditor, I had been an attorney for almost 10 years at the time. and. Um, and worked for state government, so I worked at the attorney general's office just as a, you know, assistant attorney general, and then I went over to Secretary of State's office after Jay Ashcroft became our Secretary of State, and I was his director of enforcement for the securities division, so I ran the enforcement division looking into securities fraud, so like your investment advisors, broker-dealers, we would investigate them and prosecute them if they were doing fraudulent behavior or make them pay back money. I did 
same thing at the AG's office with Medicaid fraud. So I've been involved in a lot of looking into fraud, waste, and abuse in different types of areas, you know, working with auditors and investigators, and lived in Jeff City and worked, with, worked in Jeff City, and so I knew about what was going on with the state, I knew about the problems, and efficient, and just, just working there, you know, as just a normal, you know, uh, I would say common sense kind of a person, a lot of people that work in state government know what the problems are, and even have good answers on how to fix those problems, but until you get into a position of authority, you can't do anything about it. They, the higher-ups won't listen to you because they think they know everything. And so, you know, it's hard to really do anything when you see all these problems all the time until you're in some kind of a position of authority. And so when, uh, when Galloway became our, our auditor, she um, she really just destroyed the auditor's office. I mean, of course, like I said, I worked in Jeff City. I, I know people that work in her office, and um, they talked about how low the morale was, the turnover was so high, they weren't getting the audits done, and um, about five years before that, I, I'm a Christian, and I pray about, try to pray about everything, and about five years before that, I felt that the Lord was calling me to run for auditor, uh, but, he, but he gave me auditor 2020, so it didn't make any sense to me, and so I just, I, at the time, I just went and met the auditor, because uh, I didn't know what he was wanting me to do, so I, met, I went and met Tom Schweik, who was the auditor at the time great guy. He was really blowing it up as the auditor. I mean, he was literally, he was going in and finding the fraud, and he was uncovering it, and he was getting the people prosecuted that were doing these bad things in the state. And so I was really amazed with him. I thought, okay, good job. I'm, uh, he's doing a great job. I guess I did what I was supposed to do. I met him and moved on with my life. You know, I was at the AG's office, moved over to Secretary of State's office, had my second set of twins, and then my last child. So I was just, you know, just living life. And then when, in 17, when I heard from the people at the auditor's office, bad things were going, I got that call from the Lord again, really, that I was supposed to run for auditor. So that's how I got into politics and how I started doing anything. I didn't know anything about politics, really, before that. So I ran for auditor at 18. I won the primary. It was like a four-way, really highly contentious primary. Uh, four of us all, um, I thought, were really good candidates. The other three people were well-qualified for the job as well. Um, and so I won the primary and went on to go against Galloway. And even with the GOP and the establishment working against me and not helping me, but actually calling donors and voters telling them not to donate and vote for me uh, and not, not having any money, you know, compared to what Galloway had, I still only barely lost to her with like 139,000 votes shy of beating her. And so after, after I, um, after I lost, that's when people were telling me, well, you know, they were calling people, telling them not to donate and vote for you. And I was, it made kind of made sense to me because after I won the primary, I went into the GOP office in Jeff City and the executive director was there and he kind of told me right out of his mouth, he said, well, we weren't expecting you to win the primary. We thought David Wassinger would win because he had all this money, so we just expected he would win, but we didn't think he'd be Galloway, uh, but we were okay with that because we want Galloway to win auditor, so then she'll run for governor in 2020 and we've got enough dirt on her that we can beat her in 2020. So I knew they didn't want me to win, but I didn't know they were actively working against me until after I lost the general. Uh, so I know they didn't want me to be in office. That was really hard kind of to take because I thought, well, you know, how are good people able to even win an election, you know, and be in office to do what's right for the people and do what's best for those offices if you've got these power people, you know, establishment know-it-alls that think they can do whatever they want to keep good people out of office. So... After I lost that, I was praying again, and the Lord told me, Governor 2020, and I just, I told him no. I said, 
that the law, I know you shouldn't do this, you know, for obviously for Christians listening to this, this is not, I'm not saying you should do this. I, I did it because I didn't want it to go through that again. You know, it, that was, that's a tough thing to do. That's when you've got kids, a family, and uh, and you know that they're working against you like that. And so I told the Lord, no, get somebody else. And so all of 19, I really fought with the Lord over it, just kept telling him, no, get somebody else to run for cover. I don't want to do it. But during that time, I also saw Governor Parson start doing some things that I was very unhappy with, like allowing refugees to come in our state and possibly allowing red flag laws in the beginning of this year, shutting our state down, and now mail-in votes and putting Medicaid expansion on the August ballot, which I think just secured it, uh, it, it getting passed. So he's done a lot of Democrat things that I, you know, couldn't have known about before I before I filed. But I finally made the decision to to file for governor and worked all around the state, worked my butt off like I did in '18. And and again, I feel like again they tried to keep me from getting an office somehow this year. So it's just there's just so much corruption. I don't know, you know, as an ordinary citizen, what you do about it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it was rigged or something. Because like any um, any Republican I know voted for you. Like I mean, and maybe maybe people aren't telling me the truth or something. But like pretty much anyone I talked to, like that was Republican that voted in the primaries. Like um, they all voted for you. I don't know anybody that voted for Parson. But also I'm in St. Louis. I'm in St. Louis City, so I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like that came out later saying that or something like or, or some kind of like I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that comes out later or something. like five lobbyists that are in his pocket that put money in his pockets right. and stuff yeah, the destruction yep. the destruction and like almost the stagnant nature of things like he makes them money and, and no one else like you're seeing like billionaires yeah. billionaires making record like profits right now where everybody else is falling falling deeper into a depression i feel like honestly yeah you're no you're completely right and the thing is you know person has been bought and paid for way back in like before 2010 rex Stingfield was donating then he was his biggest donor and you know people like rex Stingfield that donate to people are doing it for a reason they're doing it because Yeah, and there's no way he had a se- he had 70 percent of the votes. Like I- I've talked to people in Missouri as well. Like, there's no, I don't know anybody that's like all gung ho for Parsons. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, the funny thing is, it's not really funny, but this, uh, the guy, one of these guys that was um, helping me in one of the smaller areas, I won't tell too much about him. But I don't think I don't know if I want his name out there. If someone was listening to this, that might harm somebody. But anyway, somebody told me that he was talking to a guy that's an establishment guy down in the Seymour area. And I know exactly who he's talking to. And this guy supported me in 2018. And uh, he told him that 
going to lose. And he knew I was going to lose by basically one to uh, four to one, that Carson was going to win by 75% of the vote, around 75% of the vote. And he knew this back, like, you know, weeks before the election. This was back in, like, the beginning of July when he told him this. That's insane. And to me, yeah, like, how do you, how in the world would you know that the second you, you're so you're so confident about it when that's preposterous to anybody listening. Like, how is he able to win with seventy five percent of the vote when there's four people running? It just seems you know it seems crazy. But that's exactly what happened. And so the fact that this one man, you know, basically called it and he's an establishment person um, is another red flag to me that something something is wrong here. And, I, and it's funny, it's like your instinct almost, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm speaking for you or not, but uh, your instinct was saying kind of that, like, you don't know what's going to happen if something happens. And I almost have that overwhelming, like, sense also. Like, I, I feel like September, October are going to be big for politics. And I, and I, I have this almost an overwhelming sense that us, like, just something unprecedented is about to happen. And I, I just don't know what it is. And I don't know good or bad. But I mean, it, it's, you almost touched on that a little bit, too, when you're saying that. Like, I, I almost feel, I feel that, too, but my, my brain doesn't understand it yet. Right, no, you're, you're, I think you're right. That's what I feel like. I mean, you're not putting words in my mouth. That is what I feel like. I feel like I, I can't make a decision on what I have to do next because in some weird way this isn't over. And the only thing I knew, and I would say this in my speeches when I was campaigning, you know, all around the state, I would say to people, you know, I know that things are going to get worse before they get better, but have hope because I do think they're going to get better. And it may be, you know, the end of this year, it may be next year, but things are going to get worse before they get better. And I'm very certain about that. I hate to say it, uh, but I do think it's true. I don't know how it's going to get worse either or what's going to happen, but something is going to happen this year. And obviously we know that they're going to, that Trump, uh, Trump's going to keep getting attacked and things are going to keep happening, but I think it's going to get worse here in Missouri in some way. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm kind of worried about that. I've actually been praying for person because I don't want him to just, you know, have a heart attack and die or something, that would be terrible. But I feel like there's something that's going to happen that's going to be very, uh, very big for the state of Missouri. And there's going to be some weird, crazy changes. I think that too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, just because like he's a political opponent, I, I, I respect that. You still pray for your enemies and opponents and stuff too. I, I do respect that. So I think that's like, man, that's what Jesus was about. I mean, 100%. Like, yeah. And I think that like, uh, yeah, it's just a weird time. Like I, I mean, I have a lot of ideas too. I mean, worst case, I'd think like like a second American civil war and then like a, a communist country attacking us after. That's kind of what I see in my head. But I'm just trying to fucking figure out, a, or trying to figure out a way to where like that doesn't happen, or like just and pray for a better future for sure, and like actively try to get it going. You know. Well, and that's something that people have told me too, and I, you know, I, 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 I hate to hear it, but I understand what they're saying is that you know, it, one thing that is going to make people really just, I think, explode and, and, and some kind of a civil war may take place if they mandate vaccination for COVID. And, you, and it's so weird that that would be the thing that people are so irate about. And the fact is, you know, I don't, I like Trump. I don't agree with everything that he does. Of course, I don't think you're ever going to agree with somebody on, on everything anyway. Yeah. But like, he's even, we should do, you know, we got to get these vaccinations done. We got to get these vaccinations done. Well, if they try to mandate the COVID vaccination, people have already said, you're not, you're, you're not giving me that vaccination and I will, I will open fire on someone first before they try to give me a, a vaccination. No, you're right. Like, I feel like a lot of people doesn't, uh, like, I feel like you very confidently know the Missouri crowd. I feel, I feel like uh, they don't know our market at all. And like, they, like, they think everybody's going to be passive, like New York City or LA or Chicago. But Missouri, I mean, they call us flyovers. They know nothing about us. They, they, they don't know any, anything about us. And I think you're, I think you're damn right. I, I think literally most Missouri is not about it at all. I mean, they were showing up the Capitol with guns as soon as this happened. They're like, I'm not sitting in my house. Are you fucking kidding me? 
Like, right. No, that's exactly what they're saying. Is like you're you're not at that, that point. I feel like people are like you've taken it too far now. We're we're not we're not going to just sit back. I mean, the masks are kind of getting there because I think that they're asserting their control over people and they're doing you know like they're they're doing this in preparation for the next stage almost. Like here, we're going to mandate these masks for everybody. And you know, Governor Parson's going to say, well, I'm not going to mandate masks. I'm not going to do this. this. But he's actually stepping aside and allowing the local communities to do it. So in essence, he is still allowing mandated masks in his state. And, and, you know, like the governor of Georgia said, there will be no mandated masks in my state. The local people are not allowed to do that in his state. And so, you know, I think it's a stepping stone for whatever's next. And I don't know if that's, you know, mandatory vaccinations. I don't know what else they're planning to do. Um, but like I said, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, however that is. And at some point... The people are going to say, "Well, we've had enough. We're not going to do this anymore." No, I definitely, I definitely agree, and I hope, it, I, I hope it doesn't get too bad because I, I definitely don't want to see people like, uh, just, I mean, just dead people or anything like that I, on any side. Even right. if I, even if I disagree with the mask thing or the uh, vaccination thing, I, I don't want to see people dead that do agree with it. I think, I think it should be a choice. If you, if you're scared, wear a mask. If you're not, don't. You know, like, I think it's just like one of those things, like, uh, yeah. Like I'm in St. Louis, so it's it's a lot different here than the rest of the state. Like uh, I, they're, they're trying to do that here. I mean, I I definitely don't uh, participate in that at all. But I'm like one of the few people out here, I'd say, I mean, that just the roof. I mean, I have friends being like, it's okay, it's just a mask. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. like that's where it starts. You know what I mean, it's like it's like you can't exactly. you can't work without a mask. You can't do all this in St. Louis. I mean, bars are uh, have curfews. They tried to pull a curfew on us. Like we had to be home at like nine one night. And I'm like, I'm leaving town. I'm like, fuck this. I'm like, I, I saw how this book ends. Like. I was eating Mexican food on a patio because I did the. I, I basically will eat outside, so I don't have to wear a mask. So uh, that's how I'm getting away with eating restaurants out here still. Um, and like, the, and you're right. The the, uh, the server was just talking like us. He was just literally just like, like, yeah, I don't know what's happening next. If they're gonna replace me with a robot, I don't. You mean it's like what's going on? Like, 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 like they're they're not numb to this and blind to this. They're just put in a situation where they want to feed their families and like pay their bills. Like, and they're forced to it. It's like it's like I don't know the word for it. But it's ridiculous. You're right. And that's the thing is the majority of people think like we do. I just think they don't know what to do because, like you said, they have to feed their families. They have to go to work. And these are the requirements they have to work under. 
Um, so, so they so they do it, but nobody agrees with it. I mean, I don't know how many you know business owners that I spoke with um, while I was campaigning, just talking about the restriction. They're like, well, what do we do? Because if we don't comply with it, then the media gets a hold of it and says, oh, this business is so horrible. Don't ever go to this business again. They're doing this, this, and this. You know, so it's like, well, we have to comply with it, or we get turned into the bad people, uh, and they don't want that either. So really what they do is just tell their servers or whoever, well, we're just not going to turn anybody in. You know, tell them to wear a mask. If they don't, then, oh, well, we're not going to enforce anything. So that's the majority of people I talk to. No, same. And there's some there's some people in St. Louis that really do buy the narrative. And, and, they, and like, I'm not telling somebody they, they, they can't wear a mask. I'm like, if you want if you want to wear right. one, go ahead. Just don't tell me I have to do anything. It, it's insane. And then they have the same, like, meme-like arguments that I've seen in, like, all so many memes. They're like, like we got to wear shoes and a shirt. I'm like, yeah, that's, yes, you do. And then, like, and they're like, but then you should wear a mask. I'm like, I'm like that's just a made-up rule this week. And, like, and like every rule, every week there's a new, there's new rules. Like, wait, Adam, I'm just supposed to blindly obey. And I'm like, and my soul is just against that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm an American. I believe in God. I'm like, I, I got free will. And I'm like, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a proper slave. I'm not a slave, like, at all. Well, that's just for turning us into you, and that's the point, to. you know, that somebody asked, somebody put a meme up that I thought was really funny that they said, well, you know, somebody on TV told you to wear a mask, and you're not going to stop wearing a mask until someone on TV tells you don't have to wear it anymore. <laughs> right. So stupid. No, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, and they, and they don't make any sense. Like none of the arguments are consistent, and they change every time you poke holes in it. Like it just doesn't, yeah. make, it just doesn't make any sense. I think it is indoctrination to make, to make people obedient and like and keep it going. Like one day it's gonna be like, yeah, you just need the mark of the beast to work at this bank, or you need the mark of the beast to work at this KFC, or you know, what I mean? it's like, and, and and they have the worst. I think fast food has it the worst, honestly, because like they just look miserable with those masks on, and it's like, and like I, fu- I love Taco Bell, so I hate seeing that. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, that's what everyone's talking about, and you know, of course they want to say that it's a conspiracy theory or or, you know, you're crazy for thinking this, but it's completely the direction we're going. Uh, and, and the signs that, you know, that we're seeing, you know, with, with what they're doing with these masks and taking your temperatures before you go into places and, you know, taking down all your information and the control that they are, you know, that they're really a part of America, is, it should be concerning for everyone. And, and honestly, we, we need to just start just saying we're not going to do this anymore because it's just going to keep getting worse. And at some point, it is going to be like, okay, well, if you don't have a vaccination, you can't come in this place. You can't come into the store. You can't do this. You can't do that if you don't have a vaccination, just like the mask. And that's where people are at with it. It's like, well, you know, when it continues to go where you're going to control us and tell us you have to have this and this in order to actually, you know, live life and be in society, you know, people are going to cave, a lot of them, but a lot of people are, and that's when that civil war is going to happen is at this point, we're done. We're not taking this anymore. And I think that's right around the corner. I mean, when are, when are these vaccinations supposed to be done? You know, the end of this year, beginning of next year is what, and I think there's, I just saw something about they're actually going to be uh, ready sooner than they thought. So it depends on how the state, I think it's going to be a state thing. If they mandate vaccinations in the state for, you know, COVID or whatever it is, you know, in the future as well, but right now COVID, you know, if they, if they mandate it, then everyone in that state has to get the vaccination, and that's where I think you're going to see the unrest, and that's when you're going to see people start actually, you know, doing something about it. But what are you going to do? You don't get the vaccination, and then what? You can't go out in public. You can't go and, you know, go to the grocery store. You can't go get this or that. How long is that going to last for? Because if they're taking down everybody's information the way they have this, especially with our phones and stuff, I mean, I've got crazy stories from people about how much our phones are monitoring us. Uh, I mean, we saw that even with the COVID app or whatever that came on the phone this year to let you know if you came in contact with somebody that has COVID. That's crazy to me. 
but everybody, you know, monitoring us. They know where we are. They know who's going to be able to get the who's getting the vaccinations, who aren't, and then what are they going to do to the people that didn't get one? I mean, it, it, this could get very bad in the next year or so, or maybe even less. It, it, it's highly concerning to me. Yeah, we need a we need a strong excuse me. We need a strong exit strategy to basically get out of this yeah. with, with the least amount of casualties possible. Like, I I think basically like I would like to I would like no war <laughs> personally, but I mean but I but I get it. Like I mean I get the tensions and they're key, and they're and I think that's what a lot of regulations are is to build tension. Like to stay home for yeah. two months and then like uh and then you get mad about a TV like clip and then like uh and then now you can't leave any stretch of the bar. You have to go home at eleven. So I mean, what are people working for right now? It's like oh, there's no there's no play. I mean everyone just works all day. And then is scared at their house all day afterwards because they can't go anywhere to relax or can't do anything. I mean, there, there's exceptions, but I mean, for the for the average person, I think they're being obedient and and there's no release. There's just there's just building up all tension. Yep, you're right. And you're it's, right. It's, but I, I love. Oh, sorry, guys. Exit strategy. Like, what what is that exit strategy? Because that's what I think. That's what people are looking for. Is like, what do we do? about this and the only thing i knew to do and what i know to do is run for office and try to change it but then you've got the corruption where they're going to keep somebody like me out of office so i can't change it so then what do we do that's exactly the thing. It's like I, and I have a weird feeling that like I don't. There's no way you only got like 16 percent of the. I, there's no. There's no way. I just from people I talked. I don't know your exact percentage, but it was way lower than than it should have been. And made no. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like a like a personal fan. Like this is like who I personally voted for. I'm just saying things like just I have ears and I hear people talk. And I've been throughout most of Missouri this summer. And like, and it doesn't even make sense that like that, that he had 70 percent of the votes. That makes no sense. Yeah. And like I mean that's right. why I'm I'm doing the similar thing like where I'm not gonna talk about a bunch of your interview, but like I'm, I'm running for like Congress and stuff like that too. Like I could. So I could federally get rid of these things and like just write the laws to get right. out, to get out of this stuff because it's it's just a joke right now and like it's like it's just such a joke and like I would want nothing more than this to go back to where you you end up uh, like some, so we figure out he cheated or something like that and you end up governors I'd love to work with you like, I think you have like I think you have what it takes for Missouri and I think you'd make Missouri look amazing the like, same way like, I I think Josh Hawley does out of uh, out of like Lexington and stuff and like I, I think that like um, I think you have what it takes to bring Missouri to the next level in my opinion. I demand a recount. And there are. There's a, there's a couple of really good governors that I thought I'd really be able to work with, and we could really make some good changes for the country, not just for our states, but for the country, because that's really what this Fair. is about, is all the country. You know, obviously, to me, Missouri is, is, a, is a leader in the country and should be a leader in this country. We're in the middle of the nation. You know, we're in the center of the nation, and we've got... We've got the second biggest financial industry here, St. Louis, under New York. Um, you know, our state is so diverse. There's so much going on here that and no other state has. It's like six different states in one. It's just, there's just so many great things about the state of Missouri, and there's so many things that we could and should be doing here that we're not. Um, and, and so being able to, you know, lead our state into that would be wonderful. But when you have people that are working against you, to keep you from getting there and keep the keep the state from getting there, um, there's a purpose for that to me. You know, that's why George Soros is in our state. That's why, you know, he has an office in downtown St. Louis because they're actively working to to keep Missouri from being the leader in the nation that they, that, that Missouri can be. Uh, and if anything, says the same thing with Congress. I mean, how do these people like Ilhan Omar, you know, continue to, to win and she just won her primary and saw you know, those people are the ones that want to destroy our country. And they're living in a place that wants those kind of people in Congress. They can keep doing this. And in, in our state's not far off, in all honesty. The people that are, that are winning in our state are not people that are really doing anything to promote Missouri. Um, they're actually doing a lot to hinder Missouri. Uh, so same thing with Congress. You can't get good people in Congress because they want these same people that aren't doing, a, you know, a good job for the 
we had a weird thing happen in St. Louis though. Like uh, the incumbent uh, Clay just lost to a protester. So like we we actually have the like I actually had the perfect window to win, and, and it's really weird because like because like yeah, Clay was like a dynasty. He was in he was in office for twenty years. His dad was in office for thirty years. Like you're saying, like the people that never, we could never get rid of. But he, he literally lost to a, to a fucking protester. So it's like, wow. it's, it's like insane. That's why I'm linking that to the Soros thing you're saying too in downtown St. Louis. Like, like, like Black Lives Matter is definitely funded by Soros. And, and, and like, it's not, like, right. they, they relate not liking an organization to not liking a race of people. It's, it's like, I've never once hated a black person. I've definitely not hated what? Black Lives Matter when they burned down 50 buildings in my hometown. <laughs> I mean, And I think it is communist takeover tactics. I think they're trying to uh, push us into a civil war and then attack us. And I think it's the Chinese Communist Party, and I think it's uh, I think it's a uh, former Soviet Union. And, and I think that basically I think I think it's these countries funding this, and they want our collapse basically because like uh, like they, they want us to collapse, and then they can attack us. And I think they'll make us fight. Yeah, I think their plan is basically to start a civil war, make us fight for a couple years, and then invade us. That's why that's why I think their plan is. But I. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like, but I, I, I thought was well, just even back then, it seemed clear to me that we 
China. And so, to me, it's not far off now that we will be, that I think we already technically are at war with China. And the things that Trump is doing, you know, like the tariffs and even the things that I, I, I agree with him on, you know, pulling China out of our country, the pharmaceuticals. I mean, until this year, COVID is obviously bad, and I know it's, it's a real thing. It's a virus. People have gotten sick. People have died. But, the, but some good things have come out of it as well. Like, I mean, I would never have known, and a lot of people didn't know this either, that China had over 93% of our pharmaceuticals. You know, or China owns a lot of our farmland and a lot of our businesses. I didn't know a lot of that until this year. Uh, and, but that, that should be a huge concern to people, that China has owned so much of our stuff here that they've done that on purpose over the years to take over. And to do probably exactly what you said, to get this civil war started so that whatever their plan is, is for us to, you know, sit here and kill each other, so they can basically come in and take over. And, and, and I don't know how long that plan is for, like what their time frame is on it. I feel like it's getting pretty close. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely crazy. I feel, I feel it too. And like, I mean, we have a lot of things. I mean, like you had Australia on fire at the beginning of this year. You had every the entire world shut down this year. I mean, they're going after our allies. They're going. I mean, you had like all these countries, Europe and America and Australia, pulling out of trade with them for the most part. So I mean, we're basically starving them now at this. I mean, not necessarily. You know, it's a strong word, but economically starving them at this point. And and kind of like going through. And I think that uh, it's going to go to a breaking point. I hope that like. I hope that we're all in this together type thing because, like, I mean, nothing is weaker than a divided America. Nothing's stronger than a united America. It's just like, it, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just like that. And it's like, I, I really hope that there's not people with that with their head out of their ass to where they can actually see what's going on. And like, like you're right. Well, that's, that's though, because you know, it, it nothing is stronger than a, than a united America. And I think that people are more united than than what we really think they are. Like, of course, like you're out there talking to people. I'm out there talking to people. And everyone thinks the same thing. All the people I'm talking to think just like we do. And this isn't just a bunch of Republicans. I didn't go to a bunch of Republican clubs, so those were all closed down. Those states were closed down for COVID. So I was setting up my own meet and greets. I was having my own rallies. I was talking to business owners. I would talk to people at gas stations or a restaurant or wherever I would go. I would talk to people and tell them what I'm doing. And almost everyone I talked to thought the same thing that, that we're talking about right now. And these are people, like I said, they're not political people. That's my thing going back to Parsons. All of them said, well, I'm not voting for Parsons. I'm looking for someone else. I'm so glad I got to meet you, you know, because I'm looking for someone else to vote for. So everyone thinks the same way. And these are even, you know, these are just your your everyday citizens that are out shopping at Walmart or, you know, at the gas station. Um, that's a good sign to me that people all think the same way because I think that, you know, when, when something does happen, we will become united. And we I think we just need a good leader that's going to lead us into what we do next, what that movement is on on how to handle it. And I don't know who that leader is. I don't know, you know, what the next step is and, and what's going to happen. But I feel like um, if we had that one strong person that came out to say, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, and no, I totally agree, and, and like I think that was such a good point. Let's uh, let's stop let's stop it there. And, uh, throw out any social media you have or anything like that, because I just want to end strong. That was great. Like, yeah. <laughs> throw out any Twitter, yeah. Facebook, any of your stuff. I'm still on social media. I'm still actually putting stuff up because people keep contacting me and telling me about stuff, so I keep tweeting and um, putting stuff on Facebook about things. So I'm gonna keep doing it. Um, so I'm gonna keep it active. My uh, Facebook is McDowellforGovernor.com. Uh, I have my platform and everything on there that I ran on. Um, my email is uh, Sandra at McDowellforGovernor.com. Twitter is McDowellforGovernor.com. 
down for governor. We changed that. McDowell for governor. Uh, and then my, and I have Instagram also that's just Sandra McDowell. So it's, uh, you know, I'm pretty active on there. I keep people updated, but you can also message me on any of those sites. And uh, if anyone that's listening has suggestions on what we need to do going forward, I'm all ears because I think that's where we're at is we've got to figure out a next step on, on what we as a state and a country need to do to, to combat what's ahead, which is probably something that's, that's very bad that's ahead. So we need to have that plan, like you said, that exit strategy on how we get out of what's happening right now. And, and I think that you look to the people for that advice. The people know, you know, politicians think people are stupid. They're not stupid. I talk to people all around Missouri. Missourians are not stupid. Not they know very well what's going on. And a lot of times they have the answers to the problems that are going on if you just ask them. What, what do you think we should do here? Um, so, yeah, if people have questions or answers or advice, I'm, I'm all ears. Please message me and, um, and we can talk. Cool. And, uh, and also demand a recount. Like everybody, everybody listening, demand a fucking recount because we need an office. And uh, well, thank you, thank you for coming on. I'm, I actually want to have you on again after this conversation. Like this, I feel like we can yeah, go for nine good. more hours. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you as well.